0: Hey, Chris Manning here from Lockdown Cavs. Coming up on today's show, I have a solo recap of the Cavs' overtime win in Philadelphia. Cleveland won that game 112-109. Evan and I talk about the latest on Kevin Love, something we've been talking obviously a lot about lately, and we dive into a little bit about where the Cavs stand as they are on this current three-game winning streak with two games to go left before the first half of the season. Then at the end of the show, you hear a snippet of a conversation Evan had with our friends at Lockdown Mavericks and Lockdown Pistons all about Andre Drummond and the trade market for him and if he could be an option for a very compromised Dallas team. That's all coming up today on Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's show is also brought to you by Bill Bar. Go to BiltBar.com and use promo code locked On to get 20% off your next order.
1: Cavs to three. Sexton Works on Irving. Trying to get loose. He'll fire. He Knocks it down! Osman steps into a long-distance jumper. Allen to the bucket! He crushes it home! Off to Garland for three. Hey! Down. Drummond toward Valanciunas finds a cutter in a coro and a coro thunders it home by Kyrie Sexton got it back. Nance for the tie. He yes. knocks it down. Love hands it off the
2: Sexton feed. Cavaliers by seven. And uh, Cleveland, this is for you.
0: All right, so Chris Manning here solo to talk about Cavs and the 76ers again Cleveland wins that game 112 to 109 um a really big performance from Sexland in particular the Cavs young guard duo leads the Cleveland to a third straight win um in three wins in a row after that again that their 10 point issue Darius Garland has 25 for a new career high that they the sex land combined for 53 12 and seven and five steals Overall, they were the driving force of victory. This was a really, really impressive performance from that young duo. It's hard to look elsewhere for any of them. Uh, elsewhere, you had Isaac, of and a high with 15 points um, in his 34 minutes of action as the team starting small forward. Notably, he was also 1 of 2 from 3 and 6 of 9 from the field at 8 boards as well. Did fall out late, but did have 3 steals. Jared Allen had 14 and 10, so notching another double-double for him. And Damian Dotson had 10 points off the bench. And Dylan Winler had uh, 8 points off the bench, all on t- free throws and 2-point field goals because his streak of consecutive 3-pointers did come to an end as he went 0-4 from 3 after that 9 consecutive makes streak. So, MVP of the game, it's I think you just have to, as I do, give this to Sexton and Garland. They played the heaviest minutes on the team. Both of them. Garland played 42. Sexton played 44. No one else. Uh, Allen was next up with 36. They were initiating the offense. They were making the big shots late. They were the fuel into overtime. They took the most free throws on the team. They took the most shots on the team. Everything that kind of made this team work, in my mind, was coming from them. You know, if you look at their their box score numbers: nine at 24 from the field for Garland, 11 to 27 for Sexton. They are not the prettiest. You know, Sexton is one of five from three, but. They both came up really big when they needed to, in particularly in in the overtime period specifically. This was these were moments where these two players showed up and, and shined and, and looked like like themselves. Frankly, looked like these guys that could have just been were the best versions of themselves. In overtime, um, Sexton one of three had three points. Garland was three of four, eleven points, five of six from the free throw line, and the Cavs eking out that three point win. Garland was incredible and. I think he was about as masterful with the ball in his hands. We've seen him in a lot of ways. He was excellent at manipulating. I think Joel Embiid inside. One of the things you saw in this game was even though he had a couple turnovers here and there and and, and did kind of struggle at times just to kind of navigate that, and that's going to happen against someone the caliber of Embiid and, and, ben, and when Ben Simmons is around and whatnot. You saw him not... Kind of telegraphing where he was going to go, or giving Embiid an, an easy chance to block him. He was going to make Embiid work for those kind of plays, and for him to to score the way he did was really interesting. I mean, he had a step back three that was, frankly, one of the better shots we've seen him make, and kind of the shot that is going to help him hit that next level as a scorer. You saw him in this game drive from the corner and score around Ben Simmons uh, to finish. He had a bunch of nice floaters. I mean, again, yeah, nine to twenty four isn't super pretty you'll but you'll take it he got took 7 free throws making 5 of them. I mean overall I think Garland maybe one of the better games of his NBA career and and against a high high caliber opponent. And again, Sexton 28 points had a had a dyna- had a bunch of dynamic finishes in this game. Um all in all, this is all about Sexton and Garland. Pick whichever one you want as MVP. I think put them as a duo. They were the engine of what made Cleveland win this game. There's no for me other way to spin it. For play of the game, I, I think you could go two ways. Number one, I think the Sexton uh, in overtime, his one bucket, uh, the finish over Embiid, might be uh, one of the most skilled finishes I've ever seen Colin make it as a maker. That's probably a little bit of hyperbole, but. In this play, he gets past Ben Simmons, who the Sixers went with him on him all night, and then he drives into the lane. He gets past Simmons. Um, there's, he goes against the screen that Jared Allen set, and Embiid's waiting there in drop coverage, and Sexton beats him to the paint. He finishes with the offhand, gets it in, puts the Cavs up five really just skilled finishing basketball downhill attacking basketball from Colin Sexton. a really good use of his speed, a really good positioning of his body and frame to make it hard on MB to block the shot. And, and it uh, frankly, ices the game for the Cavs in a lot of ways, it's just really, really impressive stuff from him in that moment. Um, you know he took, gives him a lead. Also, he had another really nice finish earlier in this game where uh, Dotson gets the rebound and section just bolts up the court and gets a finish. And just one of those instances where the Cavs executed really nicely and uh, were able to to he got some points in a game where they kind of needed to do that sometimes. Um, the other one I would say is just the Garland finish. You know over around Simmons. You know so he's in the corner against Simmons. Uh, Simmons closes off, cl- runs over to close out on him, gets close enough where Garland's not going to have a ton of room to take that shot. But he gives him the baseline, and what Garland does is a little hesitation to try to, to create a little bit of separation, a little bit of room for him. Drives, he's pa- he gets past Simmons, who's tracking him. and Embiid comes, and Garland hesitates just enough, and the threat of Jared Allen crashing in from the free throw line in is just enough to give him room for the up and under finish. Really skilled, subtle stuff from Garland there. Um, I I think he's really coming a long way in in manipulating guys and manipulating e defenses. He's just become really, really impressive to me. And I think either one of those plays, just really expert finishing around the rim for these two guards, two guys, guards who are smaller and are going to have struggles with that sometimes. I think it's just frankly a really important sign to see the Cavs do that against someone who could very, very well be the defensive player of the year. And that's just what you want to see um, from the Cleveland Cavaliers. All right. So stat of the night, you could go a couple of different ways here. I think, um, Kind of not really overall kind of an ugly game in a lot of ways. Both teams with, you know, relatively bad offensive performances. The Cavs actually had a worse offensive rating than Philly at 100.9, but they're able to to get the win. Um, either the Cavs shot the did th- didn't even shoot the three point ball all that well, which is considering, uh, a struggle for them considering, you know, that's, that's something that had fueled their previous two wins. They didn't shoot in the, in the short mid well, which is a place they take a lot of their shots, frankly. The side of the game though is a little more, um, Simple than that, quite frankly. The stat is basically that the Cavs outscored Philadelphia in the paint 62 to 42. Now, that's impressive just because Philadelphia has Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid had a monster game. Joel Embiid, as noted at the top of the show, had a 42 point night, 13 to 22 from the field, 14 free throws. Um, and obviously, the the free throws don't count towards points in the paint, but he's able to take that many free throws and just engineer so many free points. Like that's just incredible. JB Baker staff actually noted the fact that Embiid has had so many double digit free throw make games this season. And he, I think he leads the league in that category right now. He was incredible. And the Cavs were able to kind of navigate that and make it sort of working. You have to just kind of give them credit in terms of making that um, a point to have a 20 point advantage with, with um, the team having, you know, Jared Allen uh, only being 5 of 11, and and the and as noted, the guards not having their best night, but Isaac Okoro having one of his better shooting performances, Dean Wade chipping in a bucket, a, a bunch of guys, Dylan Winther, you know, in most notably, I think, getting inside and doing a little bit of work. This was just one of those nights where you kind of eked out enough points that way, ha, ha, hold a 20-point advantage um, on a night where free throws were mostly even, the Sixers made two more threes than you, and you just had a little bit of stuff go your way. I, I think, frankly, that's just a really positive sign if you're Cleveland in terms of winning that battle and kind of being able to negate the, the the Joel Embiid factor in this game to some extent. Cleveland took 73 two-point field goals in this game against 56 for Philly. Um, they made 33 versus Philly's 28. So there's just a little bit of an edge. The Cavs were able to eke that out just enough to kind of get this win. All right, so that's the game. Again, the Cavs win. Overtime, third straight win. One of the more fun games of the cap season. I would be surprised if... By the time we do a a big long season review of sorts and kind of dive into this, if this isn't on the list of the most fun games of the Cavs season, all in all, really good performance from Sexland, really good performance from Jared Allen in some ways. You know, overall, just a team win. It wasn't pretty, it wasn't the flashiest thing, but there's a lot to really like. We didn't, I didn't even get to, I didn't even talk about Isaac Okoro, and this might have been, you know, one of his most complete games of of his NBA career. Six and nine from the field, one and two from three. Eight boards, three assists, three steals, just everyone on the floor had a really nice Euro step finish that got it in one in this game. He's really, I think, growing in front of our eyes, and it's a game that I think, again, even if it wasn't super pretty, um, it's there's a lot to like coming out of it, and Cleveland beat one of the better teams in the NBA, and they have to feel good about that, and not just beating Philly, which they did earlier this year, but beating Philly with Embiid and with Simmons on the floor. You, For them, you truly, truly love to see it. All right, after the break, Evan's going to be back, and we're going to dive into the Kevin Love stuff and more. But first, I want to tell you about a couple of our sponsors. First up, we have our friends at Headspace. Now, I love Headspace. I've been a Headspace user for a long time. It is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. It is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. Whatever situation you're in, you it can really help you make you feel better. Overwhelmed, Headspace is a three-minute SOS meditation for you. Do you need to up falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions that members swear by. And as a member, I can swear by them because if I do their sleep meditation, it's a 10-minute one that kind of helps you shut down your body. I go right to sleep. And if you're a parent, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. Again, I love Headspace. It is... Live up all the hype. It is something I use every single day. I try to use it at least three times a day. Um, and I think in reducing my stress, boosting my focus, trying to live a healthier life, it is something that I, I deem invaluable. And I when I don't do it, I generally do feel a little bit worse. And um, it's it's just an essential thing. And I highly, 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 highly recommend it. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash That's headspace.com slash for a free month one trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. Again, that's headspace.com slash MBA for your free one-month trial. This is the best deal offered right now. Try it out, headspace.com slash And I want to tell you about our friends at betonline.ag. You know them. You know them as the best betting partner in the whole wide world. And they're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality television. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine is available at BetOnline. And they have you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Promo code locked on. by the way, for that 50% welcome bonus. line your online sportsbook experts. Again, promo code locked on for that amazing offer. And I want to tell you about On today. We're covering everything you need to know about the Cleveland Cavaliers, but what about the rest of sports now? The Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's welcome back in Evan. Evan, what's up, buddy?
3: Hey, how's it going? It's me, a boy, Evan. I'm um, doing pretty good, Chris. Thanks for having me once again. It feels good to be back together. My allergies are really act up, but it's cold out. I don't have your mom's cold embrace, or warm embrace, I should say, to keep me warm tonight. How are you? Wow, I, uh, this is this is troubling. The joke the joke wasn't as fumbled in my head, but... You, you're also
0: acting like you're not the co-host of this podcast, and I'm having you on as a guest right now. That's the other thing. This
3: is weird. Yeah, well, it's been a few days. Yeah, two, you know, in podcast plans. Yeah yeah so yeah. what's up buddy how you are you high and dry. no not too much um we have a fun segment coming up teasing an episode of locked on mavs that i was on to talk about mr andre drummond because apparently it's reached critical mass for our dude nick Angstat when it comes to mass fans wanting to get andre so yeah me and matt shot scotch on i can't bad last names Sh- matt locked shook. On pistons guy. Shook. Shook. matt shook i was to locked on pistons to talk about andre just to kind of Either warm fans up to the idea or scare him off, and it was a little bit of both. We like listed the negative right away, and then <laughs> Nick made us reach deep to find some positives. And I'm just like, he's a good locker room guy. But I hope you talk about. It. You'll be hearing that in the next segment. But um, I'm good, man. The Cavs had a good win over Philly last night. I was surprised they pulled it off. I had zero expectations going into that game, and the Cavs exceeded my expectations. And we'll see how they do tomorrow night.
0: Yeah, so they're playing Houston later tonight, a second-to-last game before the, the mid-break part of the season. Houston is playing on Sunday and uh, started Justin Patton at center, which is kind of interesting. So consider the fact that uh, there may be um, – they may they play like, like an DeMarcus
3: actual – to Marcus Cousins. Right,
0: so I'm saying, but they may play like an actual big center, which they did not do the last time these two teams played. It's just it's, I'm saying it's possible that you might see that. So tune in for that. Um, we'll recap that at, on Tuesday's show talk about some other stuff probably but um evan in terms of the sixers game i just want to get your quick take on it i did i went solo on that recap and and knocked that one out for us but in terms of what you saw from BF that game as always yeah, not really um in terms of what you saw from that game what what popped to you what was just something that really mattered to you in the context of that game
3: um, I talked about this a little bit, actually, in the Locked On Mavs show I did a hit with, but this is another example of those games where Darius Garland shows a lot of flashes and him capitalizing on it. This was a very good Darius Garland game, and um, shouts to Zerm for pointing out the kind of weirdness that people are about, especially those in the media, when it comes to covering Isaac Okoro. A lot of people don't think he's a bust, but that was a good Okoro game, too. And um, If you told me Joel Embiid put up 42, 13, and 6, I would have told you the Cavs got the doors blown off them, but I'm pretty like I said. Had no expectations going in. The Cavs played very well. Um, for some reason, this Cavs team has just been Philadelphia's Achilles' heel ever since LeBron left, and I'm just gonna kind of keep going with it until it runs out. But good Sexton game too. But I wanted to give some praise to Garland and Okoro.
0: Yeah, Garland was awesome. Um, I I I tweeted this during the game, but it's one of those things where it's like I cannot imagine. You say
3: that if you're the sword chat. You're all the way in.
0: Uh yeah, I am all the way in. Um, That's good. I also just don't know I how you don't there. like watch that game and don't like get really optimistic about him.
3: I mean, there's reason to be optimistic. I just hope he can continue putting it together and stay healthy. Those are my two biggest bugaboos. No, yes,
0: him. but it's like I'm saying that game. You watch what he's done in the pat, the passing stuff and the manipulation stuff. I think is just like I don't know if we talk. I don't know if we've talked about that enough because I think it's just. Like that, that finish he had from the corner, this was my, my play of the night for those of you that maybe skipped, didn't want to hear me blab because you like Evan more than me, which I like Evan more than me. But he, the little manipulation he had of Embiid driving from the corner when he like hesitated just enough to give himself a little room against Simmons and then he manipulates Embiid with the threat of Jared Allen to get off the shot, Like mm-hmm. that's just really, really good stuff. But um, Evan, let's talk about Kevin Love. The latest news uh, on him is that it, it, by all indications and – um, everything He's not going to be back until after the all-star break. This isn't super surprising um, considering the, his return kind of got delayed a little bit and whatnot, but um, it's, it's unfortunate.
3: Yeah, it is unfortunate. Um, I would have liked to see him play maybe a little bit more than the, those two games, I think. in the first half of the season for the Cavs. I could be wrong on that one too, but um no, it is a shame. I'd like to see this team at full tilt, especially if you have him alongside Jared Allen. I think I want to see that because Dean Wade is kind of a a beta example of this where Dean Wade is a true power forward that has some stretchiness and he doesn't have the stretchiness of Kevin Love, so I wonder how he would operate – J.A. would operate alongside a true stretch forward like K. Love. But it's just disappointing, like you said. It's frustrating because <clears> – <throat> I know people in my mentions every day are like, "Could Kevin Love get a new calf? Like, that's not that creative. And I'll just reiterate this. Um, Kevin Durant had a calf injury, and he kind of rushed back in the NBA Finals and ruptured his Achilles. And I feel like the Cavs, one, don't want to experience that with Kevin because they want to be right by him. And two, if they were to try and trade Mr. Love this off-season, it's a lot easier if he's fully healthy without a ruptured Achilles versus a banged-up Kevin Love who would be even more unhappy because that's also a career-altering injury, too. Like, that would just be the nail in the coffin of his career probably. And it'd just be a real shame to watch that happen. And the Cavs do right by their players most of the time, a majority of the time. And um, it's just a bit of a shame, but hopefully he gets healthy. Maybe this extra tech week and some change really makes the difference here. And then the Cavs just kind of bounce back and forth for the remainder of the season.
0: Yeah. I, I think it's considering like there was that little setback, which I don't know if we even know the severity of, but like they're being very cautious. I think that's probably an ultimately again the right move with him. Um, I, I think the tricky thing with it is you would again really like to see him. I think you'd really like to see Larry Nance play with Jared Allen. Like, there's just clearly like like Dean Wade played his ass off um, against the Sixers. He didn't score much, but like got a, that big offensive rebound in overtime, and he was doing
3: stuff. And he had a he had an impactful six and twelve for the Cavs last
0: night. Yeah, and like you know Lamar Stevens um, has been doing really impressive stuff almost every game. Not just the dunk, but like he's he's putting in really good minutes. Um,
3: Bill, if you're listening right now, you're, Bill, you're Bill, hope our checks on Bill, Bill trolled
0: me about Mourinho <laughs> on Sunday. So Bill, Bill's still on my nice list, but you know, a little, a little less so, Um, but like you clearly need an upgrade in those minutes. And like it, Kevin would be the ultimate yeah. example of that. And I, I just think like a court, like it is nuts how little, I haven't looked at this. I haven't looked at the exact numbers, but in my brain, it's just like, I still have like no cognizant idea of how Kevin Love plays and can oh. impact any of the Cavs' young players. I don't have an idea how... Obviously, Isaac Okoro, but I don't know how he works with Darius Garland that much. I don't know how he works with Colin Sexton. Oh. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like there's this big like, vacuum with him that we just don't know how it works, and I would like to see how it works before we like decry that he needs to be traded for, for a bag of peanuts and a plane ticket.
3: I mean, yeah, I agree with that, but like, I, I yeah, I also agree with your point that it's hard to necessarily gauge how he impacts players like Garland, Sexton, Okoro. I mean... Players such as Stevens as well, because I think he is kind of carving himself a nice niche with this Cavs team. Um, Jetty too, but you know Jetty has more experience with Kevin than all the young guys. Period. But I just think the infusion of talent, a former All-Star player who is a modern prototypical four in today's NBA, who pairs at least on paper beautifully with Jared Allen. um, I don't think you can really go wrong with that. I think that's just a welcome addition for the Cavs, no matter what. And I think you just kind of go from there. Then you kind of look like that's just the broad take, and then you look at the individual strokes of it as well and how he pe- pairs with each player. Um, I'm looking at the ESPN box score for this one. You know something interesting? Hmm. The Alistair Coro as a shooting guard, which makes me chuckle.
0: He's, I'm just saying, I think his shot looks more, he looks more comfortable shooting now than he did a month or two ago. Like, it's kind of interesting. Um, yeah. And, and Again, like, we, I talked about this. I did a locker room appearance with Jackson Frank on Saturday, and we were talking about how, like, the lack of practice is just... Oh,
3: you're a locker room guy? He, are you following me, Chris? Well, he
0: asked me to go on, and um, I also have a clubhouse account. Which I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't even know what these things are. Um, but... It's okay, boo Um, <laughs> uh, But... I just, like... I, I want to see. It. I just want to see. It. Like the, the, the shooting alone is just, like, would be such a boon for this Cavs team. Like... Like, like they yeah. beat Philly, and it was a, an impressive, gutsy performance, but, like, they partially won that game in, in spite of, like, a bad offensive performance. Like, their offensive rating was actually worse than Philly's in that game, and they somehow won. Like, like that's that's a hard path to walk. Um, And that's, Evan, that's, tra- I think, a good transition point to something I wanted to hit on quickly. Like, the Cavs won three in a row, follows up that 10-game losing streak. They are, I think, like, four and a half back of the playing tournament at this point. I just want to... they
3: s- four back of home court in the first round, too.
0: Okay, so I'm, I'm I'll sure. look at the standings to kind of correctly identify this because I didn't check this quickly enough before. But I just want to say this. No, Ju- Justin, Justin shares that stat
3: with me often. Okay.
0: Yeah, no, they're like, not. The Cavs not. have won three in a row, and that's good. And I think they're going to be feisty and remain annoying to play. So they are nine back of first place right now, nine back of Philly... Um, They are three back of the Hornets for 10th, and then that would put them, as you said, about four or five five games now back of of home court. I just want to say this. In the first I just want to say this very carefully because I don't want to, like, dunk on them for no reason, but I also want to be, like, a, a pragmatist. Like, I will not be, like, the Jazz Twitter people that are, like, you suggested someone's better defense than Rudy Gobert. I'm gonna argue with you for seven hours. That is something I learned. Shouts
3: shouts to Trevor Bagnati <laughs> for calling him you den. That made me laugh so freaking hard, man. I uh, I texted him. Like I, I oddly exhaled out of my nose when I read that. Like I only do that when I'm generally think something's funny. Yeah, generally just Trevor's the best.
0: But um the Cavs are still like not like a very good team. They are very, they can be very frisky, they can eke out wins like this, they have things about their team that is trending in the right direction offensively and defensively and like there's a there's a there's a structure in place that makes a lot of sense to me. It would still be overwhelmingly incredible, and even with like the the overall easier schedule in the second half of the season, like just what this team is, it would be overwhelming, insane, it and, and really really impressive. Frankly, if they're able to actually make a legit playoff run, I don't quite see it. I get, I think they're going to be fun again. I think like that ten game losing streak is probably going to go down as a low point in the season. I just am. I, I there's still more I need to see in a sustained way, not, not just these last two games, but like into the next part of the season where you're like, okay, like, is this a real team that can like make an actual push for the play tournament? Because I, I personally still, I, I think, I think I want to pump the brakes on that pretty hard.
3: I do too. I think the Cavs are going to probably be a lottery team this year. Maybe they're flirting more. So not like a serious lottery team. Maybe they're, and jump a little bit back in the lottery standings and kind of flirt with that play-in tournament status. But I think Atlanta's going to get better. I think um, I, Orlando is just one big whiff on my part. I think Charlotte's very good with Lamelo this year, and credits to you for being a little higher on the Hornets than I am. I think Indiana's going to be solid. I think the Knicks are a very pleasant surprise too, and I think they're going to be really in the thick of things as well. Um <clears throat> I don't know. I'm just not too, too high on the cast playoff chances just because the bottom of the Eastern Conference is a kind of tightly contested race, and I think Cleveland will be in that, but I just don't think they're going to really be the team that gets the call at the last second here, and I think it's better for them to be a play or a lottery team than a play-in team, but this is kind of what I thought they would be at the beginning of the year, too. They are a bad team that is trying their best every single night, and I think that's all you can ask for because despite the losing it's not like you're losing intentionally which isn't conducive to growth going out there and trying new things and if they don't work they don't work if they work they work you build upon and i think that's a conducive to growth for the calves and i think they're in a the right direction in right place like i was asked um i did a philly radio sports thing last week before the sixers game and they asked me like do you think jb vickerstaff's the right coach i'm like yeah i do i think he's a leader he's a black coach which is something that we need more of in the NBA and I think you can't poo-poo that and I think he's just a good leader for this team and I think he has the right pulse and the right pace of this team and I think they're heading in the right direction I just think gotta pump the brakes a little bit I know a three game winning streak's fun um Indiana's probably gonna be the tougher the two matchups and Cleveland's remaining two games but I I just don't see them really getting out of the lottery and I think that's a good thing because with the flat nods it's not like the Cavs are intentionally trying to tank I think they'll still end up with an okay-ish pick yeah, and again I think like this is all part of the process. I
0: think like again like this isn't it this is a team that is going to win games. It's not like the numbers you're going to look at are not are not going to tell you like hey like
3: like this yeah. is a good team. They're, they're in a they're in a they're in a sweet spot right now. Like they're they have the fifth best odds. They have a 2% chance of the fifth pick and then it's like 11.5 for 1, 11.4 for 2, 11.2 for 3, 11% for 4. 7th uh, is probably their money spot though but they have a pretty good spread of where they're sitting and fluctuating around that wouldn't be bad for this Cavs team.
0: Yeah, and like I sympathize with fans that like would like Sim tankathon and like they they also like they don't want the team to pick ninth, but they also like don't want th- to see the team like play like meaningless basketball or whatever. Like that that's all I think very fair. Um if you're Cavs fans and kind of evaluating this like I think you'd rather see them get a chance to cater or, or someone like that of that ilk to kind of take this team to the next level and again i just think the underlying reality of this team i think indicates just like there there is there if, unless they're going to level up in a way that I, that would be really interesting i would be surprised if this team has like a real yeah. i i think what we're seeing now is like a a, a, re, a resetting of a big blip for a really young team that was really injured and um still missing really really key pieces but we'll see again we're gonna that's yeah. the beauty of this we're gonna get to see it you'll see kevin and larry back at some point and you know, we'll see kind of how this kind of all goes going forward. But Evan, if the Cavs need a protein snack, I think to kind of fuel them and and keep them going in the second half of the season, I think they should be checking out our friends at Bill Bar.
3: Bill Bar, they absolutely is the
0: best tasting protein bar ever. I just ate Evan. I just ate my last coconut brownie one, and I'm like sad about it because those are incredible. Those are absolute cracking protein. Yeah, they were.
3: Um. I wouldn't go too far as to say crack because it's a serious addiction, that, but they are true. pretty dank good. And I've been kind of preserving mine as like a treat every now and then because they're kind of like a unicorn to me and they're special. But you know, Built Bar is a great sponsor of the show. They've been sponsoring us for a while now. And I know it sounds like a little tired rhetoric on Chris and I's part, but they really, really, really are the best tasting protein bar ever. Chris, tell everyone at home why they taste so good. So
0: they're covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They're great for the health conscious guy everything about them is just like incredible and like think about some of the amazing flavors like the regular flavors that are i think excellent include caramel brownie cookies and cream cherry barcia uh, mint brownie double chocolate toffee almond there's a whole bunch of them they have drops now where like they i I just cop some of the 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 cookie dough ones and i'm like i can't wait to get some of the cookie dough bite ones because those are i'm sure going to be maybe even better than the, the the coconut brownie ones um, look, 17 grams of protein, for example, in cookies and cream. 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and four grams of net carbs. Right now, you can get a free cooler with purchase that Wall Supplies. Last, and go to BillBar.com and use promo code Lockdown20, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, promo code Lockdown20. That's it was locked on. Now it's locked on 20 for 20% that's off. Two zero. Two zero. Uh, Eric Snow's number. Think of it that way. Lockdown20 for 20% off at BillBar.com. I can't name any other Cavs at War 20. Eric Snow just popped into my brain.
3: That's fair. Uh, maybe John Collins, if there's this Hawks sign a trade this summer. Brad, if you're listening, hit us Brad. up.
0: All right. I also want to tell you all about the Locked on NBA Draft podcast. So, th- we're. This is the, obviously, we have the Chad for an NBA Big Board show, but if you want another one, Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, how much do you really know about these potential NBA stars of tomorrow? If you want to know more, you need to subscribe to the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. Prospects, scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from kudrencial... All right, I'm going to read that. Kate Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs. How much do you really know about these potential NBA stars of tomorrow? If you want to know more, you need to subscribe to the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. Prospect scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. Guarantee you that's going to be an essential resource for you, Captions. All right, back after a break here, Evan's going to be talking to Nick Angstead of Locked On Mavericks and Matt Shook of Locked On Pistons, all about Andre Drummond and the trade market for him because that's the continuing story here across the NBA and here on Locked On Cavs. Again, back Uh, on uh, Monday for that show. Talk to y'all then.
2: Welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member and coordinator for the Locked Podcast Network, and I am joined, first time I think, by host of Locked On Cavs, Evan Damerel. Wave, Evan.
3: Hello. Hey. How <laughs> how's everyone doing? It's good to be. Uh, it's good to be in Dallas. I learned over the weekend that uh, Nick is actually from my hometown in southern Ohio. but yes. He got out of there as soon as he could. So it's a little bit of a small world.
2: Ohio, a great place to be from and leave. after a while. Matt Shook, who would agree with that, is also joining from Locked On Pistons. And this is the Andre Drummond Show. I I finally caved. I took to the Twitter pressure and we needed to have just a discussion with two guys that have watched this guy play a lot. So uh, we'll start with Matt Shook. Matt, do you miss Andre Drummond?
1: No, we have not (laughs) done a lot of tribute episodes of Andre Drummond. And we, we were talking before we recorded that it gets there's a little much in the negative in terms of Andre Drummond, and it's mostly because of that contract. But no, Pistons fans have not spent a lot of time, and yes, we're at the very bottom of the NBA, basically. And, uh, but there's young players, and the cap space that was brought in from the trade with the Cavs this time last year has been something that Pistons fans have coveted, and it worked out pretty well so far for them in terms of looking ahead to the future. So no, there has not been a lot of looking <laughs> back with disgust of getting rid of Andre Drummond, despite the fact that they didn't get anything for him, basically.
2: On today's, episode, or today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. So how today is going to work, I have Evan from Locked On Cavs, who is currently watching Andre Drummond. Actually, not, not actually currently, I guess. He's not really playing, but has been watching him this year. Matt Shook, who watched him for probably way too long in Detroit. They cover their teams every single day on their respective Locked On shows. And so I wanted to get an actual opinion of people that have watched. So we're going to go over what is he as a player? What are the positives? What are the negatives? what happened in the situation in Cleveland and then back a while ago in Detroit what happened with that and then what would an actual deal be for Andre Drummond because and the reason why we're doing this I know some listeners are probably like you guys talk about Andre Drummond so much it's because it always is mentioned to us every single mailbag we ever have probably for the last two years Andre Drummond's name has come up in some way And the Mavericks do have a center problem. They have Willie Cauley-Stein, and they have Dwight Powell, and they have Boban, and there's some problems with that, obviously. We've talked about it's it's soft. They don't have a really good rim protector right now. Porzingis' defense has been poor, and so if he's going to play bad defense, then they need somebody. The Mavericks' rebounding has been a problem for a while. Last season, they were a good rebounding team, but when they go up against a a Gobert or an Anthony Davis or an Embiid, they really struggle in the paint, and so... Let's talk about Andre Drummond and what he is as a player. The first thing that really stands out to me, and I'll start with Matt here, the pick and roll numbers. Like the pick and roll numbers for Andre Drummond don't make any sense to me. I, I'm looking back on them, and he aver- this season, he is scoring like he 0.84 points per possession on rolls. That's the 11th percentile. That's awful. That's like the the, the bottom barrel. Back in Detroit, he was. Scoring like just over one point per per you know possession on rolls. That's like he was in so in eighteen nineteen he was in the fifty second percentile. In seventeen eighteen he was in the forty three percentile. Sixteen seventeen in Detroit he was in the fifty seven percentile. Like this is a guy that has all the skills and tools to be a really good pick and roll player. Why are the numbers not? Showing me that he is or, or even has proven to be in some capacity.
1: One of the issues is uh, who's he running the pick and roll with, right? That's that's a lot of it. And 15-16 for the Pistons, he was one of his better seasons, kind of his breakout season where he became an all-star for the first of two times in Detroit. That's when Reggie Jackson was healthy, and those two guys had a great game. You know, from watching Drummond even just a little bit, that he's throwing down alley-oops that are going up towards the rim with ease. He's one of the better. He's a freak athlete. Let's be honest about it. He's 6'10", 280, and, uh, and gets up there. So if you're running uh, a good pick and roll with him, then he can be that guy. But the problem is he's never really accepted that role of just like a rim runner type of guy, uh, a good roller on that pick and roll, and then someone who should develop that that defensive rim protector thing. He's always wanted more. And in Detroit, when he was the second-highest-paid player, they gave him the max deal back in 2016, given that that five-year contract, then rightfully so. He thinks he should develop his game more and be more valuable to the team. But the more he tried to add, it was inefficient. Yeah, and there were some games where the assist numbers were up. You'll notice if you look at the assist numbers, better than your average center. Now, a lot of times because Reggie Jackson's out, so Stan Van Gundy uh, flips the offense around and puts – Andre Drummond at the high post and run some action towards the rim in that regard. And yes, it does work a lot of times, but it's not the most efficient offense and there's a lot of turnovers there involved too. So it's kind of the theme of everything Andre Drummond is if you give him a baseline of, these two or three things to do, he does them very well. But then if he wants to do more or you ask him to do more, that's when things kind of unravel a little bit and you get a guy who's a focal point of a bad team as opposed to a complementary piece of a good team. So you know, maybe in Dallas where that should be a good team, will he... Don't give them hope. (laughs) Yeah, well, well, could he be an addition to that team and be a piece for them as opposed to maybe what he was asked to do in Detroit and probably asked to do in Cleveland as
2: well? Yeah, Evan, the other thing that stands yeah. out to me is his his shooting around the rim. Like he's Shooting forty-eight point four percent on two-point shots this this season in Cleveland. Like, what is up with his touch around the rim? There's an incredible, incredible Reddit video on uh, on Reddit NBA of Andre Drummond is the worst offensive player in the NBA, and just all these clips of him just just trying to score. Like, like Matt said, be the be the distributor and trying to you know create his own ba- you know shots around the basket. What is up with Andre Drummond's touch around the rim?
3: it's kind of non-existent and it's something Chris, well, when he was first traded to Cleveland, you just look at him like, Oh, he's putting up elite greatest of all time rebounding numbers. Like it truly gaudy stats. I mean, for his career, he's averaging 13.8 boards per game in this season for <laughs> Cleveland in the 25 games he played he averaged 13.5 boards yeah it's a lot but there's a direct correlation between those rebounding numbers and the fact that he's such a poor finisher at the rim because more often than not cleveland's offense was very slow and rudimentary whenever andre played and they would just get the ball to him in the low post he would try and post up whoever his opposition was try and beat them out down low and then try and finish at the rim miss rebound try and finish at the rim again we miss, call those rebound.
1: rebounds drummins in detroit by the way <laughs> yeah. those are called those rebounds are called drummins
3: so you see that most possessions, and then it became even more clear how detrimental he was offensively, at least. And I'm not trying to, I'm not, I'm not trying to lowball him completely because I think Otter Drummond's is a fine player. I just think he's overpaid for what he's, his production and true value is. But when Jared Allen came to Cleveland, it was a night and day difference because Jared Allen's like one of the most elite finishers in the league. I think he's at the, he's 70 percent of his attempts at the rim, or like those are completions. Like that's absurd to think it's about, good. but it's, it's almost very as good as Luca last year. Yeah, there you go, and which is, um,
2: which is insane.
3: It is, but um, <laughs> no, I like like Matt was saying, like if Andre was put in a system where maybe he's a little bit more held accountable and he's not asked to do too much, because I think that's a good case of what it was in Cleveland too. There's a lot of expectations for him to be. An all-star caliber player again and kind of carry the load alongside Kevin Love. And then when Kevin Love was sidelined again, surprise, surprise with injury, like he has to shoulder an even bigger load while he has to wait for a bunch of young guards to develop and learn how to act as primary initiators. And sure, Darius Garland shows flashes of that, but it's just a lot of the weight of the offense leaned on Andre Drummond. And then when the cast pulled him, they kind of had to do scoring by committee. So it was all five players involved instead of just leaning on an all-star caliber player.
2: It's interesting to see like the disconnect, right? That that he, sh- like Matt was saying, he should be this player and he should try to fit into this role. And this is, he would be incredible. It's kind of like the Dwight Howard thing, right? If he would only just be this role, if he would just be the rolling rim protector type guy that Dwight Howard's kind of become... He would be great, but he was doing yeah. all the post-ups and all that kind of stuff. It's just the the disconnect of a, a center that wants to be a star player. Coming up, I want to get into some more about this, and we're definitely going to get into positives. You guys have mentioned a couple already, but there's some good things about Andre Drummond that Isaac and I, I think, have avoided because we don't think he's the best fit for the Mavericks. But if this becomes a thing, we want to know everything about Andre Drummond as a player. So coming up, we'll get into that and talk about that with Matt and Evan. All right, gentlemen, let's get into some more about Andre Drummond. I want to talk about the defense. We talked about his pick and roll numbers, his touchdown on the rim, his defense. Matt, Andre Drummond should be an incredible rim protector. And he puts, I mean, he, he gets blocks and stats. But to me, anytime I watch him, it just seems like he's. Hassan white siding it, right? Like he just chases the blocks and stats and, or the blocks and steals. And then he gives up a whole bunch of stuff at the rim. That doesn't necessarily show up in a normal box score. Am I right on that? Or is there more on Andre Drummond there?
1: Yeah. A lot of inconsistency there. There will be, I mean, if you pulled up some of the, the cleaning the glass stats, the last couple of years, you can, you can put together a case that he's, you know, one of the top half of the centers in the NBA, but then, I mean, it's, it's, it, those are just kind of numbers that you can, you As can talk. Defender, I don't think, yeah, I don't think that for, for rim protecting centers that there's a lot of great. Now the Rudy go bears, you won't find bad numbers for the elite guys, but the rest of those guys who are getting blocks and who do give up certain percentages of a uh, field goal percentage around the rim, you could probably find different parts of their careers, but with, and, and you can kind of pull the overall overall, game of Andre Drummond into it with the with the rim protecting is that it's very inconsistent it's night to night and for a guy who's supposed to be the best or second best player on a team based on what he's paid it's just not getting that overall effort that overall consistency there's a bunch of dumb fouls in there there's there's you know fouls when The team grabs a defensive rebound on their side and he's reaching in to to get a foul to try to get a steal. But again, that can bring up some of the positives about Andre Drummond is he's really active around the perimeter. He can step up on a pick and roll and do a reasonably decent job defending uh, a ball handler coming off of the the pick there. So there are some things and there's a lot of uh, gambling around the perimeter to pick up some steals and those work sometimes, but that puts your defense out of position as well. So a lot of just, immaturity and inconsistency and I think that those show up uh, more on the tape than on the numbers and I think that it was something that after years and years in Detroit of seeing that night in and night out uh, fans got a little tired of it.
2: Evan have you seen some of the defending in space stuff that Matt was talking about the the rim protection like you know, Cavs have had you know Larry Nance is like such an important player because of the way Andre Drummond you know defends but have you seen similar things in Cleveland the last year and a half I guess?
3: Uh, yeah a little bit I think early into this season, JB Vickerstaff did have the pulse of Andre Drummond for a little bit. And I do think the Jared Allen trade was what made things fall apart in such spectacular in fashion. And what way do you
2: mean has the pulse? Like he, he had his ear and he was like, had his play ear this. and had
3: his attention and his respect. Yeah. I think a little bit of it being a contract year was weighing on Drummond too. Like mm-hmm. I need to go out and perform and make sure I play my best in order to make, Pay bank next, whether it's with Cleveland or with some other team. But that's always just been the coaching challenge with Drummond. Like, clearly, he was not bought into Bayline the moment he came to Cleveland. And then we only had 10 or so games with JV Bickerstaff and Andre Drummond working together in tandem. So, um, early in the season, like the Cavs had a top five defense for a little bit. And then things just kind of fell apart when injuries happened. Larry Nance Jr., obviously, like you said, is a big part of that and played a huge part just in general for Cleveland's defense because he's kind of a jack of all trades, master of none player for both ends of the floor. But Andre, weirdly enough, wasn't the best rim protector. He was serviceable, which is kind of what you're hoping for, because historically he's not like an elite rim defender. Like it's really hard, like, to pull those numbers unless it's a Rudy Gobert, because Rudy Gobert is just a specimen. But Drummond had active hands too, (laughs) which was the. Interesting thing with him in Cleveland because if you combine him and Larry Nance, they both were creating havoc on defense where they were just swat trying to deflect passes or trying to get the ball, protect the rim at some point or some capacity, and just work on the perimeter as well. It was like those two in tandem somehow worked. And then Jared Allen gets traded here. And I think Dre was kind of playing over like looking over his shoulder a little bit, just kind of thinking, like, okay, this guy's my replacement. Kobe Alvin called him the future center for the Cavs. Like
2: it was like a backup quarterback thing where you're like, ah, yeah. oh, dang, they just drafted this guy or take well, the guy acquired this guy. In.
3: The first game against I think it was against the Knicks when Jared Allen was in Cleveland. I called it the Joe Montana effect, a little tongue in cheek just because, you know, he had Steve Young breathing down his neck off the bench, but like Drummond had his best game as a Cavalier. I think he had 27 points, 21 rebounds, a handful of blocks, a couple steals. Like this was, I'm like, because my co-host, Chris Manning and I, we hop on. I say, yeah, this is, this is what the Andre Drummond should be. This is what his apex should be as a player, but it's just so inconsistent and you can't get that on a night to night basis because, Drummond's just a bit of a wild card, too, because I wrote about this for Forbes a while back where I said he kind of tried to pick up some of the habits of Brooke Lopez almost nine years into his career where he wants to be a bit of a tertiary playmaker and he wants to be a three point shooter and he wants to kind of be a competent drop defensive player. And I'm like, yeah, imitations are sincere. It's the sincerest form of flattery's imitation, and it's also, you know, a bit of a mockery of what Brooke Lopez has tried to do. And it's just like a little bit too little, too late. Cause, yeah, like Matt said, he's just so inconsistent at times that you get those good games like that. And then you get just a handful of stinkers as well. You're like, I wish you could pull the hook on them. And then yeah, trading for Jared Allen just kind of made it more glaringly obvious. And Cavs fans who were frustrated became irate whenever they had to see drum play and Alec coming off the bench.
2: I scoured a lot of Reddit threads from Pistons fans and Cavs fans. I just wanted to see like, because whenever you, you listen to fans that their biggest complaint is usually, you know, something that that player really really needs to work on and they have complaints that you won't normally see like and that's why listening to like lockdown pods is great because we watch every single game and we know the difference between the stats and the actual eye test because we have both mm-hmm.
0: Hey, Chris Manning here again. Just letting you know, to, as a reminder, to please go check out Lockdown Mavericks if you want that full conversation with Andre Drummond. Evan and I will be back tomorrow. Have a great start to your week. Thanks again to our sponsors, Headspace, Built Bar, and Bet Online. And again, check us out on all social platforms at Lockdown Caps. Talk to you tomorrow.